Because you know it's all about that drought, about that drought, no water. It's all about that drought, about that drought, no water. It's all about that drought, about that drought, no water. It's all about that drought, about that drought, 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 drought. Yeah, it's pretty clear, we're really short on blue. It's time to save it, save it, like we're supposed to do. Some say it's doom, gloom, and all our grass must go. But together we can make it and enjoy our golden state. It's all about that drought, about that drought, no water. It's all about that drought. Well, good afternoon and welcome to The Water Zone from KCAA 1050 AM and 106.5 FM, downtown San Bernardino. Hope everybody's having a great day. Uh, I'm Rob Starr, one of the hosts, and along with Mr. Mike Barron, who's actually sitting at the office today, and he's his day off, but he's working. And... And I'm sure we'll be lucky enough that he'll hear something interesting in the show and give us a call and say hi to everybody. But uh, first, I want to tell you about a local event that's coming up for anybody that lives around Riverside or in the Inland Empire. There's a special event. It's that time of year again when Western Municipal Water District invites all of you to celebrate Earth Day with them at their ninth annual Earth Night in the Garden Festival, which is on Friday, April 22nd. The event is located at 450 East Alessandro Boulevard in Riverside and is open to public from 3 to 7 p.m. The event is free, so bring your family and friends. Come and learn about water use efficiency from real water experts and view solar boats built by local high school students. Be part of their hourly ladybug releases where you can personally meet Mother Nature and Pam the Ladybug. And Pam the Ladybug is quite a character and she's really great. There will be lots of activities for the whole family including specialty craft exhibits, science experiments, water models, and even creepy crawler critters. And I know what they are and I don't want to tell anybody because you'll get scared. Anyway, kids can even get their face painted all for free. So Western Municipal Water Districts hopes you can make it. So go celebrate Earth Night in the Garden with them and have a great time. They're a great organization, a great water district, and it's really a great event. They're celebrating their ninth year, and uh, it's it's just wonderful. Anyway, tonight is Ag Day, and uh, our feature for that is going to be sustainability in agriculture. And the host for our show today is going to be Ingie Bisconer and Paul McFadden from our Toro Micro Irrigation Group. So welcome to the show, Ingie and Paul, and it's all yours. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate it. Uh, uh, thank you for that uh, uh, invite, too, for the uh, Earth Day out of the in- Inland Empire. That sounds like fun. Um, our first guest is uh, Jennifer Maloney. Jennifer, are you uh, on the line? Yes, I am. Welcome. Thank you for uh, making such a, uh, a, a huge effort to be here and be a part of the Water Zone uh, radio show. Thank you for having me. Um, so, uh, for our listeners, uh, 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 Jennifer Maloney is the uh, U.S. Food Chain Susta- Sustainability Manager for Bayer. Uh, Jennifer is responsible for managing relationships and projects with key food chain partners within the U.S. ag industry. Prior to joining Bayer, she held multiple roles at John Deere as Senior Manager, Global Water Policy, and Strategic Marketing Manager within their irrigation division and spend time in the state and federal government affairs division, both in uh, Sacramento and uh, Washington, D.C. She uh, worked uh, uh, prior to that for the U.S. Department of Agriculture on domestic and foreign agricultural policy. Jennifer has her law degree from the University of the Pacific McGeorge School of Law and is a member of the California Bar. She holds an undergrad degree from uh, Colorado State and an ag business and animal science degree from there as well. Jennifer, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on the show. Oh, good. We, uh, we appreciate the, uh, the extra effort to, to, uh, to be able to set some time aside to, to participate. Thank you for that. Um, what, tell us a little bit about your background and your and uh, why farming is such a passion for you. Uh, uh, obviously, by your bio, uh, you've been in ag a long, long time, went to an ag school, uh, uh, involved with ag policy with the government, uh, state and federal government, and then worked for a number of large companies, uh, and then uh, and more now into sustainability. So give us uh, kind of your take, if you would, please, on uh on your career and why you're so passionate about it. Sure. So uh, I don't think many people grow up um, 
wanting their uh, their dream job to be working on the farm bill. But um, having grown up in agriculture, that was the domestic farm policy. The farm bill was something that I uh, that I thoroughly wanted to be involved in. And I grew up in Central California in a little town uh, called Clovis, outside of Fresno, and was exposed to agriculture very early on. My brothers and I had a small hobby farm. We raised about 20 head of sheep and had a quarter-acre commercial garden that we sold at a farmer's market in the summers there. And so early on, I learned about animal care um, with our sheep herd. And then on the small commercial garden side, uh, we used technology very early on, like drip irrigation and crop protection products to help increase yield and uniformity of our crops. So I always like to say that at a very early age, before it was in vogue, uh, we were um, sustainably growing our crops and, um, and our animals. So uh, with that background, I had a passion in agriculture and was able to combine that with, um, with a law degree and learning about policy. And uh, for the most part, with a couple of twists and turns, I've been involved in um, ag policy and now um, in the crop protection side working for Bayer as a food chain and sustainability manager. Uh, Jennifer, this is Andy. Uh, good, good to hear your voice. Um, say, I, I didn't realize that you were raised in the Fresno area. As you may or may not know, I was raised in the Tulare area, so we have something in common there. So, uh, Jenny, tell me about, um, you know, the word sustainability means so many different things to so many different people. How, how, does, uh, how does bear crop science define it in, in your work world? And I, I think that's a great point about different definitions for sustainability. Uh, the word can, can get thrown around a lot and, and have a lot of different definitions. So I, I like to step back and say that there's generally three areas within sustainability that we talk about. When I say we, I just mean we uh, in agriculture generally and even beyond agriculture. We look at it through uh, an environmental lens, which I think is what people traditionally think when these mention sustainability, but there's also a social area and also an economic area within sustainability. Um, so one thing to, to note is that everyone does define sustainability differently and everyone has different priorities when they're talking about sustainability. Um, at, at Bayer, we help farmers grow food that's not only good for us but also good for the earth. So um, whether we're helping to produce abundant high-quality harvests or uh, protecting the health of the planet, we're constantly exploring solutions that, that work for the grower. Um, so in my role in food chain and sustainability, uh, my role is to facilitate partnerships across the entire food chain. So we, we look at the food chain starting with the input providers to the growers to the packers, shippers, processors, the retail, and eventually to the consumer. So in each of those areas of the food chain, we offer integrated solutions from seeds to biologicals, and chemical crop protection to help increase the availability and affordability of high-quality food. Uh, we've got a couple of initiatives I'm really proud of uh, that uh, related to sustainability. Uh, one of the first projects that we have is, is the Fee2B project. So recently we launched this Fee2B program where we committed to planting over 50 million flowers um, for bees to forage. And that was our goal for last year. We exceeded that goal. Uh, and we worked with over uh, almost a quarter of a million consumers um, who planted um, uh, bees, wildflowers in their backyard area, and nearly um, 100 partners um, and growers throughout the United States. And last year, we planted more than 65 million flowers for bee forage area. Um, this year, we're hoping to exceed that amount with over 60 million flowers. And um, so it's a really great area where, um, a sustainability area where we're helping to provide this additional bee habitat. Uh, in addition, we've got a program called Forward Farming, Bear Forward Farming. Um, and it's a global program and it helps to educate um, consumers about farming practices and the latest in innovation. So a component of that is looking at um, sustainable ag production. Um, forward Farming uh, uh, helps to give those people that maybe haven't been on a farm um, not uh, not only a view on paper, but an opportunity to actually visit a farm to look at modern ag practices. Um, and it's a partnership that we have with a farmer where we facilitate dialogue between the grower, um, outside interest groups, and of course our company, our company Bear. Uh, we currently have four forward farms in Europe and um, uh, I, I, we plan to see uh, more uh, forward farms in other areas of the world very soon. 
So, for example, if somebody uh, in the Los Angeles area, San Bernardino area, wanted to learn more about any of those things, where would they look? Is there a website they could go to or a link uh, specifically to that uh, the farming initiative? Yes. So if you go to Bayer.com uh, on, our, on our homepage, you can look more about forward farming. Um, at each forward farm that we have, it's a different crop that's, um, that's highlighted because in different parts of the world, they, um, they uh, focus on um, different farming. But um, it's, it's a really great opportunity to not just learn about our products, our crop protection products, our seeds, but we really look um, largely at all of the ag practices that are on a farm. So we look at things like use of efficient irrigation methods. We look at chemigation. Uh, we look at recycled water practices, uh, things like uh, soil health, bee foraging areas. So it's a really uh, great opportunity to look holistically um, at on-farm practices and how um, how they can contribute to sustainability, but also how they um, how they lead to um, modern agriculture and um, being able to grow food for the world. Um, we also have a specific website if you're interested in looking at it. It's forwardfarming.com, um, where you can look at some of the forward farms that we have in Europe right now. Oh, all that education stuff sounds sounds great. Um, we. You know, we at Toro have uh, also embarked on that path to not only, you know, innovate and have technology, but we we also feel strongly that you need to educate the public about water and farming, and our Drip Tips website is a, is a good way to do that. Well, as you know, irrigation is uh, one of our favorite topics, and uh, I might ask you, how, how in particular is Bear trying to integrate sustainable uh, irrigation practices into uh, the food chain? That's a great question, and um, irrigation is a, um, a topic that's near and dear to my heart, having worked in that area for a handful of years. Yep. Um, so, um, at Bear, we're, we're, we're always looking at customer needs and what are the grower needs. And you know, particularly in California, I, I enjoyed the, um, the music that led into this um, program about all about that water, because it really is, in California, all about that water right now. Um, so we have a, a number of different tools that can help meet customer needs um, related to water use efficiency. Some of them are, um, are, are more traditional for us with our product portfolio, our, our ag chemical portfolio, and our biologics portfolio. Um, so they provide benefits to growers, not just in water usage, but more in its entirety where we have integrated pest management. We have increased performance of spray programs. Uh, we have products that help increase yield and improve quality of the crop, uh, improve resistance management. We have flexibility in use, uh, offering short reentry periods and pre-harvest intervals. And uh, we have new options for growers to manage the diverse residues of the food chain. In particular to irrigation, uh, we have new tools coming out um, that we can use via chemigation, uh, which is applied through the drip irrigation system. So it's, it's a uh, product that's very complementary to a drip system like Toro's. Uh, one of our products in particular is called Vellum, and that's a product that can be used through chemigation, and it provides growers with improved yields uh, through wide-spectrum uh, nemicidal activity, suppression, and uh, suppression of certain stem and foliar diseases. So we're really excited about uh, this new product and how it, uh, how it can be used in conjunction with drip irrigation systems. We recently worked with Fresno State on a training program uh, for use of our product for those growers that may not be um, as familiar of use of crop protection products through drip irrigation systems. So uh, we've got an excellent training program out with an excellent university, and um, we're hoping to uh, certainly do more work in this space. Uh, as you guys know, uh, the, the listeners may not, but chemigation is an excellent tool that um, allows you to really precisely apply crop protection pro products through the drip irrigation system. Uh, so not only are you using water efficiently, but you're also using the crop protection products very efficiently. And in addition to um, efficient application of the product, you're also reducing passes over the field when you may have been previously applying that through a sprayer and driving that through the field. You're now reducing equipment passes over the field, reducing diesel use, and uh, now using it through this um, really sophisticated drip irrigation system. So we're really excited about some of these new technologies and using chemigation. 
Yeah, instead of spraying a chemical in the air or on the leaves, we're applying it, you know, maybe systemically and directly to the plant root zone and very efficiently and safely, I would imagine, too. It's a safer way for the environment for the plants to get their protection materials. Absolutely. Um, Jenny, just a, a question. Obviously, Bayer's a big company in, in, on the human side and, and on the agricultural side, along with many other areas involved in all different types of agriculture around the world. Um, I'm just, uh, you, you've touched on a number of things that, what the, the things that Bayer is doing to improve uh, food quality and, and quantity um, to help feed the world's uh, population. I wonder if you could maybe uh, give us a little more detail on that. Obviously, as the population grows, we're going to have to produce uh, uh, twice as uh, uh, the amount of food by 2050 to just to feed the the world's population. What uh, what are some things that Bayer is doing to address that? Yeah, the great great question and uh, timely question as well. Uh, for the past decade, Bayer has really been um, leading the industry in innovation, bringing more products to the market than any of our competitors. So that means uh, more tools for the grower, uh, which, which are extremely important as they face different pest pressures and it helps them maximize their farm's potential. Uh, we're expected to bring more than 30 new solutions to the marketplace by 2020. Um, so we, we lead the market globally in crop protection, seeds, and traits, and we're continuously investing and developing new, new technologies that improve plant health quality and yield. Um, we're also doing things that, um, that are maybe not what you would expect traditionally. Uh, we're doing things that help build up the entire ag industry um, to help amplify grower voices and educate the public about the benefits of modern ag practices. I think in some cases um, there are people who haven't been on a farm maybe ever, but maybe their views of uh, modern farming are, are potentially outdated and uh, they don't know about all of the new technologies that now exist on the farm and really um, how innovative um, growers throughout the world have become. Uh, we recently launched uh, a program called Agvocate, um, which is an initiative to designed to inform, encourage, and enable voices in agriculture um, and those people that know about it, uh, American agriculture and help them engage in public dialogue about agriculture, food production, and the importance of innovation to tackle those massive challenges that you were talking about that is facing the world today. So we're doing some really great things outside of uh, what you would expect a tra traditional crop protection company to do, um, whether it's with forward farming or with advocacy. Uh, we're really working to help promote the entire ag industry, which is just very exciting to me. That is. I really like that word, advocate. That's, uh, that, that, that's clever. Well, yeah, we, I, go ahead. I, I, I think I, I foresee a, uh, a Bayer uh, Toro advocacy program in the future. <laughs> I, I think that would be great. Uh, we're up on just a couple more minutes. Uh, one last question, Jenny. I, you know, one, one of our challenges as a, as a manufacturer, which is, uh, you know, what Bayer is uh, as well, your manufacturing solutions and we're, we're manufacturing irrigation solutions, one of our challenges is to, to get that technology adopted at the field level. You know, we can, we can have the fastest race car, but if people don't know how to drive it or how to use it, um, that's a challenge and to get it adopted and, and get the training and so forth for uh, the actual end users, the farmers. How, how are you folks approaching that? How are you addressing what is sometimes the technology gap between the manufacturers and, uh, and the farms that, um, that this technology is, is developed for? How are you helping them, for instance, improve water use efficiency on the ground? So, um, I, I think that's a, an excellent question. So, uh, I'll give you... Uh, uh, some background as to what we're doing as a company and then some of the resources that we're engaging with outside of our company. Uh, so we're providing uh, training to our retail channel partners as well as our customers, like I mentioned with Fresno State, but training on how to more effectively use our products through applications like chemigation. And so I think uh, creating those opportunities for education, uh, particularly where those technologies maybe aren't as widespread, um, that's that's a, a great starting point to create that education and that experience. 
Um, and then I think secondly, uh, utilizing tools that are available through uh, through trade associations like Western Growers, who you're going to have speaking after me, um, they've got excellent training tools. Um, companies like yourself, uh, Bayer, uh, I think there's a number of companies and associations um, in the state of California and also throughout the United States that help to provide those tools and education that can help with speed up some of the adoption of these technologies. Uh, we, we have internally a, a, a strong R&D department, and our R&D efforts are always driven by grower needs and market demands. Uh, through that, we, we develop new active ingredients, both synthetic and biological, that are highly effective, safe, and used, and they provide increased resistance management. Um, and then we also have excellent services and crop excellent tools and a, a great field team um, that helps to create that value for our customers and help share that, that knowledge. Um, so from a stewardship perspective, we, um, we share this responsibility with our customers and um, offering great products but also great services to help them meet their needs. Excellent. In the, uh, in the couple of minutes we have left, Jenny, is there anything that uh, final thoughts you might have or what uh, uh, you mentioned the, the uh, Ford Farm uh, web uh, page. Is there anything else that you would like to uh, tell our guests as you kind of summarize uh, this time that we've had together? No, I, I, um, I think this, this program is a great program to, um, to do additional education on um, some of the technologies that are used in agriculture. And I think from an education perspective, it's very important both in terms of providing education and training to the growers who are using the product, but I think also on the other end of the food chain, um, you know, sharing some of these technologies and, uh, and what agriculture is doing with the consumer because I think there is, uh, there is a gap between what's going on on the farm and the technology that's being employed and really how sustainable uh, our growers are and uh, how, how, uh, how much progress they've made and uh, really how efficient they're becoming with all of their input. So I think it's... Uh, as those opportunities present themselves to do further education with the consumer, that that's an, an excellent opportunity for those of us in the ag industry. And I commend you guys for, um, for having programs like this to do so. Well, thank you. And uh, uh, congratulations on uh, all these programs that you've been telling us about. I do look forward to talking to you about an, an advocate uh, partnership here, maybe between Bear and Toral. Uh, Paul, you ready to roll up your sleeves and get to work with Jenny? <laughs> Absolutely. All right. That sounds like fun. <laughs> hey, I was actually at uh, Colorado State University just about 10 days ago, your alma mater, and a uh, uh, very cool school, uh, doing a lot of great work there in agriculture, uh, leaders in many ways, and um, Fort Collins is a nice little town, too. It's not a bad place to live for four years. Yeah, no, they they were trying to encourage us to move uh, to move out there. Uh, uh, we enjoy a pretty nice life here in California as well. But uh, I guess if you couldn't be in California, Colorado might be a pretty nice place to be. <laughs> I I tend to agree. Well, very well. We haven't gotten a call from that guy named Mike. Who uh, poor guy? I feel sorry for him. On his days off, he's over at the office, and sometimes he does call in. He's uh, Rob's regular co-host. Uh, maybe Mike actually is taking the night off. What do you think, Paul? <laughs> I'd say that's a pretty good bet. Uh, yeah, and uh, probably well-deserved. Absolutely. Well, very good. Well, um, Jenny, thank you so much. Have a, I know you're mid-trip. Have a safe trip uh, the rest of your journey, and uh, look forward to talking to you soon. All right. Thanks a lot. Thank okay. you. Bye-bye. Hi. Welcome back to The Water Zone on KCAA 1050 AM. I'm Rob Starr, along in spirit with Mr. Mike Barron. I think he's still at the office, and maybe he should go home and see his wife and have a nice dinner tonight. Anyway, today, as I said before, is Ag Day, and with our special guest, ho guest host for the Ag Shows, Miss Ingie Bisconer and Paul McFadden. And just for listeners who want to call in, and please ask some questions, because we have some really good people uh, who, uh, who we have on the shows, and uh, they, they can answer pretty much anything. Uh, to call in, if you're local, it's 909 888-5222. And if you're outside the 909 area code, please call 888-909-1050. So welcome back, and I'll turn it back over to Ingie and Paul. Thank you, Rob. Um, and I hope everybody enjoyed that visit with Jenny Maloney from uh, Bear Ag um, 
their corporation, uh, Science uh, Corporation, um, and we have another wonderful guest coming on from uh, Western Growers. Is uh, Hank on the line? I am. Oh, hi, Hank. Uh, how, how are you doing today? Thanks for calling in. Uh, I'm doing well, Inge. Uh, thank you, and good evening. Good evening to you. Well, how are you doing, Hank? Hey, Paul. Paul and I are uh, anxious to launch into the interview, but uh, before we... Um, do that. Let's let the uh, the listening audience know a little bit more about you. Um, Hank has uh, been working for Western Growers since 1990. He began his career in the Phoenix office as the director of public affairs, where he was responsible for implementing Western Growers' government affairs and public relations agendas in Arizona. While serving in Arizona, Hank developed an expertise in ag chemical environmental issues. And since, uh, since then, his focus at Western Growers has uh, been to become a leading trade association in many of the issues related to the production and harvest of specialty crops in Arizona and California. Just uh, back in July of 2002, Hank was called on to start a new division that would concentrate on the science and technology issues facing agriculture. That division now has oversight on food safety programs, pesticide and chemical registration, policy issues, and environmental programs, including water and air quality issues, and a host of other areas where sound science must drive industry advancement and solutions and government policy. Today, Hank is serving as the Senior Vice President of Strategic Planning, Science, and Technology for Western Growers, and is actively developing association leadership in the areas of sustainability, food safety, food security, crop production, and protection, as well as assisting in the implementation and the association's strategic plan. So that's quite a plateful. That's a lot going on. Um, Hank, maybe you can just tell us, how did you get into agriculture and farming and uh, um, what led to such an illustrious career in this space? Sure, I'd be happy to. I don't know if it's been an illustrious career, but it's certainly been an enjoyable one. Um, uh, <laughs> I um, So I hail from a small... Uh, town. It's kind of a university town in New Mexico, but um, uh, as a kid, um, the jobs that were available were in the agricultural area. Um, this is, you know, in the center of the state near the Rio Grande River, so there was a lot of hay um, uh, and things like that, and I, you know, to make some money, got um, uh, involved in stacking and, you know, bucking and baling um, uh, hay and um, uh, it was a it was a good way to make money, and then I, my family has a small farm in the Buckeye area, and I used to go work on that, and that's where I actually, you know, developed my uh, my my passion for uh, agriculture. I wanted I knew when I worked there as a kid that I wanted to work there as an adult or work in farming as an adult. Um, I went to school at the University of Arizona, uh, where I majored in. Uh, soils, water, and engineering, but I ended up with an agricultural education degree. Um, and I went and taught uh, vocational agriculture in, uh, to high school students for a couple of years before coming to Western Growers. Um, and I think you went through the litany of my career um, uh, at Western Growers. But, you know, what, <clears throat> what, what needs to be said is uh, I was really uh, – you know, pleased to be able to come and work for uh, Western Growers, who represents the specialty crop industry. It is one of the most uh, innovative, um, uh, you know, uh, communities um, uh, uh, that in, within the agricultural sector. Um, Western Growers is, you know, one of the best places to work. I mean, the culture here is, you know, all about how we might be of service uh, to each other. Um, uh, in the organization and to, uh, you know, our membership. Um, and so it's, it's just been a great run so far. That's, that's basically kind of how I came up. University of Arizona, they, they have a basketball team, don't they, or a football team or something? Or they... <laughs> <laughs> they have a, yeah. So I'm very passionate about the Wildcats basketball team, um, uh, and unfortunately they were eliminated quite early in the tournament this year. So my bracket was busted, um, uh, I think, after the first or second round. Uh, tell us a little bit more about Western Growers. They're probably the listeners in the greater uh, Los Angeles uh, Inland Empire areas aren't uh, familiar 
with Western Growers and how it got its start and kind of its mission and vision? Sure. Um, well, we are what I like to call a full-service, um, uh, not-for-profit uh, trade organization. Um, we were founded in 1926, um, and we're member-based. We represent the Arizona, California, and now the Colorado uh, fresh produce industry. Um, our uh, members are, are farmers and um, uh, shippers and handlers and processors um, of fresh fruits, nuts, and vegetables. And, you know, we've done some uh, demographic, you know, sort of analyses uh, on them. They're, they're small and local, and, uh, but they're also national and international, um, uh, mostly multi-generational, you know, family farmers. They produce um, uh, in 32 states, even though they're mostly headquartered in California and Arizona and another 24 countries around the world. They grow both traditional um, and organic um, uh, products, and they produce, you know, half of the nation's fresh fruits and vegetables, and and that includes, you know, half of the organic um, uh, fresh fruits, nuts, and vegetables. Um, when I say we're a full-service um, uh, organization, we our, our our mission is really to enhance the competitiveness and profitability of our members. Um, and we have a lot of um, uh, services, uh, you know, that are designed to help do that. But I would say, um, you know, the core services that we have are, um, you know, a, a, a very comprehensive insurance uh, uh, program that um, uh, has um, ACA-compliant health benefits, um, for farm workers, uh, I've heard people say we're the single larger and ins largest insurer of farm workers in the in the country, maybe even in the world. Um, we um, uh, we help our members with you know both cost saving and environmentally focused logistics. Um, we're known for you know our work in the food safety um, uh, arena, and you know we do advocacy um, on behalf of our membership with the government affairs units that are stationed in uh, Sacramento and Phoenix and Washington, D.C. Um, but in addition to those, we have a whole host of other, you know, services and offerings as well, um, all of which are, you know, designed around, um, um, you know, providing some utility or benefit uh, to our member base that will help them, you know, uh, maintain their viability, improve their competitiveness, um, and enhance their profitability. So, Hank, I know uh, one of the one of the tenets of the of the association is to help uh, farmers uh, uh, grow a safer uh, food uh, supply for our country and, and those around the world. I know that you are actively involved in the Leafy Greens uh, marketing agreement. Would you maybe uh, touch on that briefly? Sure. Well, we a lot of people don't know this, but you know the the best um, uh, um, tool that we have available in the in the fresh industry is you know to work hard to prevent any kind of contamination um, you know from occurring you know in the field or or in the facility uh, you know when it's in our uh, control, if you will. Um, because there is no kill step for um, uh, you know pathogens in produce. I mean, the the most of the processed food is you know heated or pasteurized or cooked. You know, and those those types of things you know serve as a you know a, a, a protective you know uh, barrier. But we have to work on preventive controls. So we started thinking about this back in the early 90s, maybe even a little before. Um, and working with a, a group of growers and some others uh, in the industry to to come up with what were referred to at the time as good agricultural practices, um, and it was a voluntary you know series of guidelines that um, you know were developed to try to uh, 
minimize the potential for contamination of these products in the field and in the facility. Um, those guidelines that we published in 1995 were picked up by uh, the United States Food and Drug Administration and the United States Department of Agriculture and turned into, you know, sort of national voluntary guidance for minimizing the potential for microbial contamination in fresh fruits, nuts, and vegetables. Um, and so for a, for, a, for a series of years, the industry, you know, worked hard to get people to try to adopt these um, these guidelines voluntarily, um, uh, um, and you know, in doing that, improve the safety um, of the of the food supply by minimizing the potential for contamination. And we were making progress in that, but you know, we were continuing to have the occasional outbreak. Um, so we had conversations with FDA, and we started looking at the commodities where outbreaks were more frequent. And one of those was, you know, lettuce and leafy greens. Um, and FDA encouraged us to look more specifically at, you know, what was unique about those commodities. And so we started writing what we're now calling commodity-specific guidelines, right? And we <clears throat> sat down with a bunch of lettuce and leafy greens producers and talked to them about those guidelines. And we had just published those um, in April, again, uh, of uh, 2006, and we intended them to be voluntary as well. But in September of 2006, you know, we had that spinach outbreak that was traced back to California um, that was just devastating for the industry. And at that point in time, you know, we knew we could no longer, um, uh, you know, move forward with a voluntary paradigm, if you will. So industry got together and took those guidelines and turned them into, you know, sort of actionable, quantifiable um, uh, uh, steps, um, uh, metrics we call them, um, and uh, agreed to, um, uh, uh, you know, form a uh, uh, marketing agreement um, wherein, you know, everybody signs up uh, for the marketing agreement and then they're bound by the... Uh, um, the guidelines that are published. And we have the state, uh, California Department of Food and Ag and the United States Department of Food and Ag um, uh, collaborating, or the United States Department of Agriculture, I'm sorry, collaborating, you know, to audit the industry now, um, both on a routine and a random basis, uh, to make certain that, you know, everybody is following these best practices, if you will, for minimizing the potential for contamination. That was the first... Um, structure like that of its kind. It's been very successful. People have um, uh, modeled many programs now after it. Um, the FDA, who recently, um, uh, you know, published the, the produce rule, um, has taken a lot of uh, material from the California Leafy Greens Marketing Agreement um, and moved it into their, you know, comprehensive regulation of uh, fresh produce across the country. So we're very proud of that effort so far, but um, uh, it, it's been a long, you know, uh, work in progress. And, and I guess the other thing I would add, Paul, is we, you know, because we're learning about, you know, how to prevent food safety all the time, um, you know, we're, we're involved with the Center for Produce Safety. Western Growers just gave a million dollars uh, to the Center for Produce Safety to underwrite research. Uh, in the food safety arena, and because we're involved with that, you know, we're always looking at what that new research tells us about how to improve, you know, the controls we uh, put forward in the in the field or the measures that we put forward in the field. And the Leafy Greens marketing agreement is um, um, something that we can go in, and there's a process for it, but we can go in and we can modify it and make it better, you know, uh, stronger you know, every year. So as we learn more, we continue to update those um, uh, those guidelines. Well, uh, Hank, this is Andy. I, I had never really heard the full history of uh, that progression from the, the leafy greens to where we are today. That's uh, that's very admirable. Uh, congratulations on, on your leadership there. And I, I know that some of our customers also consider um, drip irrigation one of those best practices to you know, avoid water from puddling in the field, which is where 
you know, E. coli can uh, can take off and, and cause food safety issues. So uh, uh, technology and, and your leadership have helped us have a, a safer food supply. I don't know if you were able to listen in on our uh, previous guest, uh, but we, we were talking about sustainability quite a bit. And um, as I asked her, uh, Jenny Maloney with uh, Bear Ag Science, um, I asked her how, you know, sustainability is a word that means a lot of different things to different people. And I wonder how you, uh, as a representative of Western growers, would define sustainability in the ag and farming space. Well, I mean, the, the organization, we, we rely on the congressional um, uh, definition of this, right? That there was a, a, a definition that was actually um, uh, part of the 1990 Farm Bill. Um, where they, you know, essentially said that sustainable agriculture means, you know, an integrated system of uh, production practices um, that have, a, you know, site-specific kind of applications that over the long term, you know, will satisfy the human needs for food and fiber um, enhance environmental quality um, and the natural resource base, um, make efficient use of non-renewable resources, um, and integrate where they can natural biological cycles and controls, um, while at the same time sustaining the economic viability of farms um, and the quality of life for farmers and uh, society as a whole. So. I think that, you know, is a solid definition. Um, a lot of people boil that down pretty quickly to, you know, it's a three-legged stool of people, um, planet, and profit. You know, I mean, we're concerned with, you know, how do we feed the world? How do we care for our people? Um, how do we leave a smaller, um, uh, you know, footprint or even improve our environment? Um, and do all of that, you know, while um, enhancing the economic vitality of the industry. That's uh, well said. Thank you. Um, you know, obviously, your uh, your membership, uh, if uh, growing produce in uh, 32 states and 27 countries, you have a pretty good uh, uh, view of of the different regulations and and such that go on. Uh, not just in the Western United States, but around the world. I'm just curious, as as uh, the world becomes smaller, uh, and and uh, by by definition, your your uh, members are growing in all these different regions. How does that how how does that all play out? I mean, is it uh, what challenges? Uh, maybe I'll put it this way: What challenges do uh, farmers farming in the Western U.S. have or don't have that, that some of the other countries are are uh, saddled with that. Uh, that some of the other countries are not saddled with. You mean? Yeah, or or yeah. perhaps there are uh, restrictions. Or vice versa. Uh, yeah, uh, that say the restrictions in Mexico for export that aren't uh, necessarily as uh, rigid as yeah. those in the U.S. Yeah. For example, I'm not well, saying I'm there sure. are any. I'm just saying, you know, as an example. Well. I guess one thing I would say is I I think all farmers, regardless of where they are, are you know they're 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 risk takers. You know they they face similar pressures of you know uh, pests and disease and sudden cha sudden changes in the weather and you know those types of things in in terms of trying to bring a crop you know to market. And I think that those pressures are intensifying. Um, everywhere um, as we, you know, as population grows and we start to compete, you know, for resources like water um, uh, or we have, you know, weather events like drought, um, uh, you know, farmers have to, um, uh, you know, have to all face, you know, those kinds of uh, pressures. In, in California, um, and this is sim there's similar you know in other states, but maybe not necessarily in other countries. You know, labor has been an issue. Um, uh, the industry needs a, a legal, reliable uh, workforce. 
Um, I think water is, you know, um, probably one of water supply is probably one of our largest um, uh, issues, and I don't know that that is an issue everywhere in the world, but it's certainly not unique to um, uh, the Western United States or the United States in general. Um, and, um, you know, the regulatory environment, I mean, I, I, we, we talk about that all the time as a trade association. I kind of hate to harp on it, but um, you know, the California regulatory environment is a lot more uh, restrictive, if you will, than um, other other places in the United States, and certainly, you know, more restrictive than other uh, countries. And I think we can demonstrate, you know, sort of quantitatively that, you know, the cost of doing business in California is a lot higher than elsewhere. Um, so, you know, the pressures on California farmers when a retailer can buy, you know, a similar product from another uh, part of the world um, where, the, where, where those costs are lower and our costs are higher, you know, are, are, um, uh, you know, are maybe more intense, if you will. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, shopper beware, though. Uh, you may not be buying the, the same thing or the same level of quality or sustain, sustainably grown and, and those sorts of things. We have to remind remind them about. I, I like to go back to your comment about um, uh, water issues. Uh, I think the rest of the world does face them, as we do here in California and, and the West. But can you tell us a little bit about what Western Growers is doing to help uh, California farmers overcome, or Western farmers rather, uh, overcome our our drought and water challenge, and may, maybe in particular about your new uh, innovation and technology center in Salinas. Uh, how is that addressing um, the irrigation and water part of the equation? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I, I don't know that we can help them. I, I don't know that we can overcome drought. Drought. <laughs> You know, drought is um, uh, Mother Nature, um, but um, we, you know, we, we certainly are focused on, and this is part of the mission of our new Center for Innovation and Technology, how do we do more, um, how do we produce more, how do we produce more food with less? So in the area of water, um, I think, you know, we're looking at, you know, several different things um, uh, in addition to policy, which I won't talk about. But we're looking at, you know, what other waters uh, are available that might be um, uh, uh, used by agriculture. So can we, you know, reclaim water, recycle water? Um, can we um, uh, um, desalinate water? Um, can we grow crops that, you know, with saltier water? Um, we're, we're looking at, you know, other maybe available water that can't be put to beneficial uses in the environmental arena or in the municipal and industrial arena. We're looking at when we have water, how do we, how do we conserve it? Um, how can we maximize its use on the farm? And, you know, there, th that means applying only what's necessary um, to the degree that you can reapply only what's necessary more than once doing that. Um, we're we're looking at technologies that that are helping us be a lot more precise, you know, with uh, irrigation and drip technology is among those. Um, and then, um, you know, that includes you know a, all kinds of um, uh, you know exciting uh, um, innovations in the area of uh, you know water sensors and 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 things like that. Um, not only is qual or not only is uh, uh, supply important to us, but quality is important to us too. So we're looking at how we treat water, especially when we start to think about using other, you know, water streams and things like that. But I think the bottom line is, even if there isn't a, a drought, you know, it's our responsibility to uh, be good stewards of water. I think, you know, as as California grows, continues to grow, you know, there will be continuing competition for water. Agriculture is often on the losing end of that competition. And so, you know, being, um, uh, learning how to produce more food with, uh, you know, less water and, frankly, other inputs 
is a big challenge for the industry and one that we're working on all the time. Thank you. Thank you for your efforts in that area, Hank. Uh, in the few minutes we have left, perhaps you could share with our guests the uh, a, a web page for Western Growers and any other final thoughts that you uh, you might have for, for our listeners as it results to the association and to sustainable agriculture. Uh, so our web page, we have... We have numerous web pages um, uh, because we have a big family of companies, but our main web page is um, uh, www.wga, Western Growers Association, .com. Um, and, you know, for people who want to look at the uh, Center for Innovation and Technology, uh, the website there is wginnovation.com. Um, I... Um, I, I don't really have any concluding remarks. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to, um, uh, um, you know, to speak with you guys today. Um, uh, you know, I, I applaud your efforts to, uh, you know, to try to uh, help extend, you know, information about the agricultural industry um, to our neighbors. Um, uh, you know, for those folks in the uh, Los Angeles and the uh, you know, inland empire areas. We're, we're we are neighbors because Western Growers is headquartered here in Orange County, um, where there is still some ag, um, and we are. You know, we we expect that you know the California agricultural industry, the Arizona agricultural industry, and the Colorado you know uh, industry. Um, we we expect to you know continue to sort of. Uh, uh, ensure that they're vibrant and vital and um, that, that, that we're, you know, good neighbors um, because we are important component parts of, you know, the economic um, uh, platforms of those states and, um, you know, we're a source of uh, highly nutritious, um, uh, you know, good-to-eat, you know, products that we're proud of. Yeah, we, we appreciate them. Uh, we're fortunate enough to most of us here uh, listening probably to appreciate that several times a day. Um, farmers do feed us several times a day, and we do we do appreciate that. And I certainly appreciate the webinars that um, that I know that you've spearheaded and, and uh, kind of managed those uh, great topics, um, helping your grower base uh, adopt technology and learn, you know, new techniques to make them better farmers and better stewards of uh, the resources that it takes to grow our food and fuel and fiber. So thank you, um, Hank. We appreciate your efforts. Likewise. Yeah. Thank you, Hank. My pleasure. All right. Well, uh, Rob, if you're still there, I think we can wrap up. Uh, uh, two excellent guests tonight, and we have um, on Ag Day on May 5th, we've gotten confirmation for a couple of other uh, guests that you're going to definitely want to tune in to, uh, to hear. Uh, one of them is Rita Subin from um, uh, the uh, past executive director of the Water Education Foundation out of Sacramento will be a guest, as well as uh, Pat Mulroy.